0: We've been discussing long sujah about Isur Hal Al Isur, when and whose opinion would agree that one prohibition can apply to another, and so you'd be liable to two or even more. Uh, some opinions said it applies only to certain cases; others, in other cases. We're going to apply all that those principles to the current case, the current Mishnah, which was counting how many prohibitions would one violate in the following case, where two brothers uh, do kiddushin to two sisters. And then at the wedding, when they're coming to consummate, they get switched. And so now we have uh, altogether four prohibitions. Now that means that this Mishnah is assuming that there is isur hal al-isur, because they have to bring, uh, each one of the the people, both brothers and both sisters, have to each bring four korban Hatats, 16 altogether, according to Rabbi Chaya, who commented on this Mishnah. So, uh, they have to agree that there is Isur hal al-Isur, and if we analyze this, the opening of the Gemara is going to say, they have to accept it, that it happens in all of the possible rules that we've mentioned. Uh, here's how it works. Um, when one of the brothers marries one of the sisters, so then uh, that the brother who's remaining, the brother who's single, will be prohibited to that sister-in-law. Already now, in two ways: number one, she is eshet ish, and number two, is uh, she is also his brother's wife. Those two prohibitions uh, are are uh, happen simultaneously. Uh, so that was one of the opinions that. Isur Khal al-Isur when they happen simultaneously. So for sure agrees with that rule. Now when the second brother marries the other sister. Uh, so now uh, that triggers also Achot uh, Isha. That's his wife's sister. Now that is an Isur kolel because at that point Although, she was already prohibited to him, now, that second brother is prohibited to all of the other sisters, if there are any other sisters. And since it's Isur Khalil, it includes more people on the per- more, more prohibition on the perpetrator, therefore, that, there is Isur Khalil Isur. So that's that case. And now, furthermore, the last line says, if they became Nidot, Nidot. So now, Nida is in, um, Isur Mosif. Because this is the object of the prohibition, that's the woman. She was prohibited only to the brother-in-law before. Now she's Nida, she's prohibited even to her own husband. And so when you add an extra prohibition to the object of the prohibition, then that's Isur Mosif. And so you see, in order to get four different uh, Hatat offerings here, one has to agree with all of the options. So the Gemara opens and asks ve Mosif Ve Isur Batahat We saw there were various opinions, some said one, some said the other, but who is a tanah that agrees that you can have Kisur Khalisur in all three possible in all three cases? Uh, from what we saw before, the be BOC would be uh, the best candidate. But he didn't say explicitly. We only had a lot of discussion about it. And so the Gemini is going to answer, Amar Av Yehuda, Amar Av, Rebimeir Hi Tetanya, Yesh Ochel Achila Achat, Ve'achayav Aleha Arba Chataot, Ve'asham Echad. Rebimeir in talks about a different case where someone can do one act of eating and be liable in that to, uh, the Tanakh Kamah says, uh, to four Chataot offering, to four Chataot and one asham. What is the case? Tame shachal chalib notar muktashim be-yom hakipurim. So you have uh, animal fat of chalib that from the time that the animal is born, that chalib is prohibited to everyone, and now that animal becomes consecrated, and so now this adds a prohibition. And adds a isur Hana'a to the animal, so that object of the prohibition becomes more prohibited, and right, it's become prohibited in more ways. So that is an isur mosif. Furthermore, when a person, this person who's eating this, becomes tame, so a kohen, someone who's tameh, cannot eat any any sacrifices. So that adds more to the perpetrator. That's an isur kolel. Now uh, he waits too long and this animal becomes notar. So this is an additional prohibition on the item itself. And so that is an isur, uh, isur uh, mosif. And then Yom Kippur comes. And Yom Kippur, now a person, is uh, prohibited from eating lots of things. So that's another isur kolel because it goes on the perpetrator. Okay, so far we have Isur Mosif, Isur Kolel for them. There's also a Korban asham because it was hayav Me'ila. Fine. So we have two. We don't have a simultaneous one yet until the Bimeir comes and he says, Bimeir adds yet another Korban Chatat if it's also Shabbat. And and he 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 takes it outside. He carries it in in his mouth. In other words, as he's eating it, he's also carrying it. And so the process of eating or swallowing maybe that's a hanacha because in order to violate uh, carrying, you have to move it and put it down. And so within the act of eating it, he violates also uh, the uh, carrying on Shabbat. And so now the two of these happen at the same time, the same moment that Yom Kippur started and which you cannot eat anything, Shabbat also started. So these, this is a simultaneous prohibition. According to the Bimeir, he says yes, you're going to be chayav even that extra prohibition of carrying on Shabbat. So you see that the accepts all three. Uh, principles, that, in, in all three cases, isur, hal, Al-Isur. Good, so we have an answer, and he would agree then with our Mishnah. Okay, now we're going to relate this to yet another machloket. Rabbi Yoshua says in a different case that if someone makes a mistake, an error, an error, and would normally require Korban khatat, if he's doing a mitzvah, then he's exempt. For example, if he does a britmila milah to a baby that he thinks it's the eighth day, but really that baby did not require brit milah on this day, and therefore he violated Shabbat uh, 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 needlessly, but he thought it was, he was thought he was trying to do a mitzvah. Rabbi Yeshua says, if you thought you're doing a mitzvah, then you're exempt from a korban hatat. So. Uh, so it can't be that it'll be Yoshua because in this case a person is trying to do a mitzvah. He's trying to get married. Mar- marriage in, in our Mishnah—a uh, mistake. The, the bride's got swapped, but he's trying to do a mitzvah. So the Be Yoshua would say, "Patur from uh, everyone's patur from all their all their korban chatats. Eh? La must be according to the opinion of the Be who says even if you're doing a mitzvah you still, if you made a mistake and violated, you still have to bring a Korban Hatat. That's answer number one regarding this other Machloket, or a second answer. Really, we could follow the Yahshua. The Yahshua would only exempt someone if he's a Mohel, and uh, he has uh, two, two babies there. One is supposed to be the eighth. One for one it's the eighth day on Shabbat. For another one, it's not. And because this is a time-bound matter, he has to do the bimilah on that day. So he didn't have enough time to uh, check it out properly, and he made a mistake. And he switched the baby. He took the baby that was uh, uh, was only seven days old, and he did it on Shabbat. Okay, so he violated Shabbat, and um, because a because of a mitzvah. Um, but this was a sense of urgency there, so we didn't have time. So he's exempt. But in the case of marriage, they didn't have to get married that that particular moment that day, right? They could have waited and made sure to uh, to get everything right. And so when you have time to figure it out, then there is no exemption. So it could, this it could be that even a bioshua would agree in our case of the white of the bride swapping that they would be chayav. Okay, then we object to that answer. ben Here's a case of someone who's doing a mitzvah, you have a kohen who's eating t'roma. That's a mitzvah. As he's eating, someone comes and says, Oh, by the way, maybe you didn't know before, but your mother was a divorcee, or she was a halusa, and she married a kohen, and therefore you are a halal. And so he's not allowed to eat terumah. In fact, as eating terumah, now he is liable. According to the B.L. Yezid, he is liable, he has to pay the principal and an additional fifth. Like any non-kohen, who eats tiruma by mistake? So, to be Eliezer, that's his opinion. Yoshua says patur. Yoshua says patur in this case, even though it's a mitzvah and there's no time, it's not time bound uh, eating tirumah, You could have waited and made sure and checked and uh, see if it's proper for you to eat tirumah. And so, and yet Yoshua says patur, and therefore, the Yoshua cannot be uh, in agreement with the, uh, with the verdict in our Mishnah of the brides who were switched? No, but we answer <speaking in Hebrew> We could be talking about a case where someone is eating terumah on the 14th in the morning and he's trying to get rid of his hametz. See, the, uh, teruma, the teruma that teruma can be hametz. And um, if you don't eat it all, then you're going to have to burn it, destroy it with the or hametz. But that's a problem. It's not, I mean, you have to do it if, if you need to, but you're not supposed to burn ha uh, You're missing out on the mitzvah. And so therefore he is doing a mitzvah that is uh, urgent because he has to finish all this before uh, the uh, before the fifth hour, when he can no longer, then he's going to have to burn the uh, teruma, and so it is in fact even in this case um, one where that is of uh, urgent, and that's why the Biudah says patur. But otherwise, in our case of the brides being swapped, the Biur might agree uh, that would be hayav because there's no a sense of time urgency. Okay, and now we go back all the way to the first opening question. We said that it could that our Mishnah has to be to be can be to be Meir who agrees with all that Isur Chal al Isur in all three cases. But now we have a second answer to that. ema bi'sur bi'shimon. Or we could say this is Bishimon who, in the earlier suggests we saw, Bishimon agrees uh, says that when they're simultaneous. Right, this was the. Um, um, a turnstile uh, metaphor, right? If you have two prohibitions that enter at the same time, then both can apply, and the could be shimon, even if he only agrees with that principle. So now, how could we have uh construct a case of the two brothers who marry two sisters in which everything happens simultaneously? All prohibitions apply simultaneously. See if one gets married and then the other and it doesn't work, and also they become a nida. well that's you can't how do you, how do you time that? uh so okay, the marriages we can arrange to be exactly simultaneously assuming that two brothers both appoint one messenger each one gives them a ring and says uh, one says give it to uh, sister a the other one says give it to sister b the sisters also appoint messengers to receive the the, the rings the same messenger the same one messenger um, so now, the messenger for the men, uh, meets the messenger for the woman, and gives them both rings at the same time, and says, alright, both of the brothers will be, uh, will be engaged to both of the sisters. And so that happens exactly simultaneously, and therefore all the prohibitions of Eshet Ish, and Achot Isha, and, uh, um, Eshet Ach, will all apply at exactly the same time. But you still can't time that they're both going to become nida at exactly that moment when they get kiddushin. So how are you going to arrange everything to be, all prohibitions to be simultaneously? Oh, we have a, such a case. Here you can construct one. It's very theoretical, but okay, it's possible. Amarav, Amarav, mitoch inhu, if we assume that both brothers and both sisters are minors, they children at the time that they do the Kiddushin. Um, and they, then they, they are Nidot, um, through their birthdays. And so they actually become majority and therefore liable at the very same time as the Nida happens. So to construct such a case, you'd have to have two uh, uh, twin brothers who are born, let's say, uh, uh, Rosh Hashanah uh, one year. And then the um, next year, there'll be twin sisters that are also born on Rosh Hashanah a year apart. And then 13 years after the brothers are born, 12 years after the sisters are born, uh, sometime before there would be arranged a uh a kiddushin um and so and the kiddushin would be on condition that says this kiddushin will not apply until rosh Hashanah begins which is the day of their birthday and those two women will both become nidot uh during uh as rosh Hashanah enters and so the moment rosh Hashanah enters they become nida and both brothers and both sisters Become adults and now all liable to these four prohibitions all at the same time. Okay, so there you go. And that Mishnah can also be the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. Alright, next the Mishnah said, Mafrishin Otan, we have to separate the woman for three months. Uh, because since they uh, consummated wrongly their marriage uh, with the opposite partner and we want to make sure that they didn't become pregnant from that encounter and then those children would be mamzer, so they should wait three months then that's they didn't have uh, pregnancy tests so after three months you would know if she's showing or not um and assuming that they are not then they would go back to their uh, appropriate husbands um and then hopefully they'll have a proper child with the uh, with the proper husband okay so now we ask about ask about this <speaking in Hebrew> Hold on why do you have to worry why do you have to make them separate for 3 months after all a woman cannot become pregnant from the first uh from the first sexual encounter if uh, if she has if she's a bitula now scientifically uh this is not true and i remember i had a high school teacher once that Told us this, and that's, I think it's not a good idea to tell high school students this, and they, you know, might make a mistake. Um, so, uh, so although physiologically uh, this is not accurate, but this is a principle, and uh, uh, taking it at face value. So uh, the point is that they um, uh, had only one, um, uh, one, one act of intercourse, and so she, she couldn't. The sisters could not get pregnant anyway. So let them go back to their husbands immediately the answer is that, uh, that when they consummated their marriages, they had intercourse twice. And so maybe, maybe they did. And that way they can, uh, could become pregnant from the second time. Okay. Hold on. If that's true, then, the um, Chaya would be wrong because Rabbi Chaya said that there are 16 uh, sin offerings altogether. But if they had intercourse twice with the wrong person, then we have to double that to 32. He didn't say there's 32. He assumed the case of 16. That assumes that they only had intercourse once. Ah uh, so we we say no we could uh, that's no problem because if you follow your own logic, let it be remember before we said that um Uh, all this would, could follow the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer against Rabbi Yoshua. We said, then they said it could be Yoshua also. But anyway, if it is according to Rabbi Eliezer, in general, Rabbi Eliezer says that a person who has prohibited intercourse is not, is not liable to just one, uh, for the entire, uh, for the entire event, but rather for each and every uh, in and out is another violation. So according to that, then uh, what do you have? How, how many are you going to have? Right? There'll be many, many more sin offerings, and we don't say that, right? L'bihiyah said just sixteen. Rather, the only way to reconcile the Eliezer with the count of the sixteen would be to assume that the is only talking about the very first uh, entrance. That's it. That's he's saying sixteen for that. Maybe there's more after, but he's not dealing with that. He just wants to say the whole point of the Mishnah was how many can, how many uh, sins can you make with one act, not with many acts. And so uh, since he's only talking about the first, and so the bichya can be reconciled even if they in fact had uh, full intercourse twice, it doesn't matter, right? And uh, we still have to worry that they're going to become, that she may become pregnant and wait three months because of the second act. Although the 16 sin offerings are only for the first, um, the, and maybe even the beginning of the first act. <inaudible> Okay. Now we go back to the principle that you just said that a woman cannot a bittulah cannot become pregnant, but the in the first time is that really true? Don't we have the case of tamad? Yudan tamad, yudan tamad, yudan counter Tamar, Right? She. Um, was was uh, married to uh, two of Yehuda's sons, and they died, and she was waiting for the next son to be set up with a case of similar a, a boom type of case, and Yehuda was not um, was not setting her up, and she wanted to uphold the name of the deceased, and so she uh, made believe she was a Zona, and Yehuda. Was with her just one time and she became pregnant, right? That's right there in the story in Bereshit So there that was she was a betula and she got pregnant. There you go And so he answered right this is Rava Es Rav Nachman. So Rav Nachman answered Oh uh, Tamar uh, She broke her hymen with her finger beforehand Uh, She prepared herself uh, so that she can become pregnant even the one time Dhamar Rabis Ribizhak Kolmo achot shell bet Rebi Tamad Sheman Velama Nikra Sheman Tamad Al Shim Tamar Shemaha Betzba'a. In fact, in the house of uh, Rabbi, the Budanasi, uh the women there all would do this, this would do this very thing. Uh, they would break their their Betulim uh with their fingers, and they would give him a nickname of tamar it, wasn't, it didn't have to be all their names right but they said she is uh, this one is like a tamar uh, because they did that just as uh, tamar the, um, uh, the, the daughter-in-law of Yehuda, did um, this is interesting because this would be a source for uh, practice that there are some people that do. Um, I think it's based on Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, who said uh, sometimes a bride and groom do not want to separate right after their marriage, right after the done betulim, then they, they, she becomes Tamed and they have to separate for several days. So if there are couples that don't want to do that, uh, they can uh, the bride before the wedding can go to a doctor who will remove the betulim and then, According to Moshe Feinstein, if you remove the bitulim and there's no blood, then they don't have to separate. Uh, so this will be a source for doing that. Okay, And now we ask a question. Hold on. Why are you assuming Tamar is a bitula? She was married twice beforehand. Right. First to ayad and then to onan. So the answer is Ayarveon Shimeshuan. Both of those brothers had intercourse with her in an irregular way, and therefore her Betulim were still intact when she was with Yehuda. Metibe, hold on, is that true? We have a Tosefta that teaches Kol Asrimvar Bahodesh Dashmi Bifnim Bezore Mi Bahus bi Eli Ayazir lo halado Eno Elakima Se Ayerve Onan. Tosefta about a different subject regarding a nursing woman. We actually saw this uh, earlier that it's uh, dangerous for a nursing woman to become pregnant because then her milk will dry up and then that baby will have, the infant will have nothing to eat. And therefore, according to the Debbie Eliezer, for 24 months, right, for two years after a woman gives birth, uh, the husband is permitted to uh, begin intercourse but spill out the seed outside uh, of her, so that uh, she will not become pregnant, and that way there will not be a danger to the nursing infant. And then the rabb, the, the, the other sages said, no, that's not allowed, because that would be what Aed and Onan did. And so there, you see, according to this, Aed and Onan did have regular intercourse with Yehuda, except that they spilled their seed before they finished. And so this is a challenge to what we just said, um, that they did not have intercourse. And so our answer is, When the Rabbi said, this is like ve'onan, they meant like it in one aspect, but different in another respect. So it was like them in that they, uh, they spilled their seed uh, outside but it's also not like it in that there only had irregular intercourse uh whereas here um it was right it was regular in other words uh here in the tosefta we're talking about the nursing uh the the husband of the nursing woman uh would would have be have regular intercourse and nevertheless uh, and, and try to spill outside according to the B. Eliezer, uh, the rabbi said, no, that's not permitted because it is like Erve Onan in one aspect. Okay, so we answered that question. Now, Bishlama Onan. Okay, this answer that you gave, uh, uh, for what Erve Onan are doing, that makes sense for Onan, that he spilled outside. Dichti Bevishichet Alsa says that explicitly in the Pasuk. Ela aed min Elan. Uh, why 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 it doesn't say anything about what ayed did why are you assuming that he spilled outside since the pasuk says that god also killed onan also just as he did for ayed as a punishment so therefore we can infer that is punishment for the same sin and just as onan Spilled outside, so too Ed must have done as well, and got the same uh, death penalty. Now we ask logically: Mishlama onan mishum lo lo this nikud is a mistake. This lo, lo So we understand why Onan did this practice, because this was a boom type of case, and he knew that child that he would have with Tamar is not going to be his, right? He's going to have to bring a, 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 a pay for it, uh, his upbringing, pay for his tuition, and the child then will not be ascribed to him, will not inherit him, will not be his uh, future, and so therefore, he doesn't want to bother, he doesn't want to do this chesed, right? This is a really important pasu, because this reflects um, why it's so difficult to do yibum and why it's such a great mitzvah, uh, if someone like Boaz actually goes as and does it. So, Onan did not want to get involved, so we understand why he would spill outside. Ela ayed, ayed was her... First was his was her first husband and so he, why why didn't he want to have children uh, what's the problem and the answer is kedesh lotit did not want Tamar his wife to get pregnant because then she wouldn't be as beautiful uh, as she's pregnant so quite quite selfish uh, of him and um that's why he was uh, did that and that's why he deserved to die as well Okay, so that concludes that discussion, and now we're going to bring something uh that's related uh regarding the uh the the, the first uh time uh intercourse. Tanoda banan. Otaha. Perat lekalad ibrei Rabbi Yehuda. Okay, so now we have a machloket regarding a pasuk from actually today's parasha that we read this morning. It says, V'isha asher ish kav ish otah." okay we already know already know from a previous pasuk that a man who has a seminal emission becomes Tameh no matter what whether he spills outside or with through intercourse but now uh, is also someone who would touch that uh, semen also would become Tameh if it's on the person's skin but now this pasuk adds something else that the woman uh, who uh, who received the um, the man's seed inside her, even though it doesn't actually touch her external skin, and nevertheless she is all she also becomes Temea. Okay, in the pasuk has an extra word, uh, ish ashe isha ish, 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 ish otah. Otah sounds like a limiting word, only her. So who is it coming to exclude? So the Biudah says is excluding a bride. Uh, So bride, her first uh, first uh, time she does not become Tameh. Something to do with the fact that she cannot become pregnant from that. say, If it's irregular intercourse then also that cannot result in pregnancy and Ota is coming to exclude that case uh, that she does not become Tameh. Uh, Hon, Bered Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman. Regarding this Braitha, um, a, a, a person named Hon, the son of Rav Nachman. An unusual name, it may be short for Huna. Uh, the son of Nakman asked, asked his father, So he's asking, according to the biuda, why should a kala not become teme'ah? Maybe it's because the Torah was, uh, was concerned about her adornments. The new bride, she just spent so much time and money putting on a lot of makeup, and now after consummating her marriage, she's going to have to wash it all off to go to the the mikveh. And so the Torah says, you know what, we, we care for the bride, and we'll say, uh, this one, you don't become temeh, and therefore you would not have to wash off the makeup. That sounds like crazy, right? But that's the only thing he could think of would be the reason. And the father says, no, there's a better reason. Because a woman does not get pregnant from the first time, and therefore it's not considered a regular uh, sexual act. Okay, so now uh, and an, analyzing this paraita more fully and how they interpret the full pasuk. What is at the essence of their machloket? raban sabre perat perat le So actually, we have two two words that we need to explain. One isha kab ish ota. And that's it. You could just said that's it. She becomes tameh velachasubamayim. Why he's saying well, you don't need the word otah and you don't need the word shichbat Zada either, right? We know what happens uh, when they uh, when they have intercourse. So the first shichbat zara uh, comes to exclude um, an encounter where he only begins to insert the crown of his member. And therefore, there's no spill, there's no spilling of seed. There's no seed uh, that goes into her. Uh, in fact, it wouldn't matter even if he 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 was fully inside her. If there's no seed, then there's no tumah. And so that we need shichvat zera to say it's not just the sexual act. He actually has to have seed that enters her. Uh, so that uh, comes to exclude. Then the word ota comes to exclude a case of irregular intercourse because that would not. Be zera it's not seed that can become impregnate her, and therefore both of those cases are exempt. Uh from Tumah, the banan include a Kala, right? So they say Kala is no exemption for her, she is tame. Now but Rabiuda Kaveha Adaa Zera. agrees on both of those laws, but he says we can learn both of those law of those laws from the word Shihvat uh shikhvat zera. Zara. And therefore that leaves open the word ota to say that excludes a kala And so Rabbiuda the is the only one who says that does not become timea. And that's for for this very reason that she will not become pregnant. Okay, and now we're going to uh, conclude with one last uh, case where a woman uh, of a woman that cannot become pregnant. Ki amar Call when rabin came from Eretz Israel, he said the name of biochanan. If you have a woman who became a widow and she waits for 10 years being single, single for 10 years, and then only afterwards gets remarried, she cannot become pregnant anymore. Uh, again, this uh, f- f- physiologically is not accurate, um, but it must be based on some uh, lived experience. And uh, Nevertheless, again, I was going to show that there actually are many exceptions to the to this rule. So, Amad Av Nachman, Lo ela sheen da'ata da'ata says that is only true if after her husband dies she says, I'm never going to get married again and she's not looking and not thinking about marriage, then that, uh, uh you know physiologically uh causes a breakdown in her internal system, uh, but if she has in mind to get married once again, then her system will continue, and she will be able to compre- be able to become pregnant, even if there's ten years in between. <speaking> in <Hebrew> okay, a fun story that based on a uh, the you need the background of the story, which is found elsewhere. Uh, The background of the story is that Rav Chista was the teacher of Rava and another contemporary of Rava, Rami Bar Chama. One time when they were studying with him, Rav Chista had a daughter who was young, and the daughter came in and sat on her father's lap. And then they were, I guess they were joking around, Rav Chista asked his daughter, Hey, which of these two students here would you like to marry? And uh, she, being a precocious child, said both. And then Rava, uh being uh uh witty, said, I'll be the second. In other words, the first whoever marries her first is going to die young. So Rava says, I don't want that to be me, I'll take the second turn. And sure enough, that's what happened. Rami Chama married her, he died, and then there was a long time in between. Rava maybe was married to someone else in the meantime. And then uh after ten years, uh Rava uh, came and took Rav Chista's daughter. And so Rava is saying to Rav Chista, listen, everyone uh, people are gonna be gossiping about you um because uh after all, maybe it was when she got pregnant uh from Rava, she says, Look, you were ten years without child and now all of a sudden and now after 10 years you have a child must be that you had some uh, maybe you did something in between right what's going on here and she says no no don't worry i was thinking of you the whole time so this is a proof for the statement of rav nachman that even if there's more than 10 years as long as the widow is thinking of getting remarried then she will be able to come be able to become pregnant and so there's no need to be suspicious uh that uh that uh, she was with anybody else in between. Uh she was simply thinking of Rava because uh, she was there in that original story as well. Okay, good. Um uh, some a woman came to Rav Yosef. Ana So she uh, was um uh, being a wise guy, and she said to uh, she said, my teacher, I uh, waited 10 years from the time uh, uh, for from, uh, from my husband's death and look now I'm with another man and I'm pregnant. So you see that the rabbis were wrong when they said that rule. And she warned him and says don't make fun of the, the words of the sages, right? Uh, maybe maybe there's something that you're not admitting to, uh, that you're hiding, right? So give it up uh, uh, and admit Rather than cast dispersions on what the sages said, and after that she said, "Oh, you're right, I'm le go." In the meantime, while I was a, a widow, I actually had intercourse with a non jew and so therefore she was not ten years uh, without any sexual activity, and that's why um, and that's why uh, she became pregnant, and so this was not a disproof. Uh, in fact, she was hiding this all along. Uh, so, a lot of, uh, very interesting, uh, uh, discussion here. Baruch Adonai